Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Big Tech Little Tech. We're recording this episode on Halloween. Where are you right now, Rick? I I am currently sitting at Chef Arranged Estimate. Do you know what that means? I do, actually. It's what three words? It is what three words. Exactly. That's it is what three words. Yes, yeah, exactly right. That, that's I, I did it just before I come on, and that is the three-meter square that I am sat in right now is uh, is called Chef Arranged Estimate. I love what three words, don't you? Oh, I love it. We, we do our travel plans on it as well because you can pinpoint the front door of the hotel. Exactly. Rather than sit in the middle of the sea somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Did you know there's 57 trillion three-meter squares that cover the world? Isn't that incredible? 57 trillion. And... They can cover it. They only use 40,000 English words. I love that the emergency services have taken it on as well. Have you read about that? Well, I, I, I saw I, what triggered uh, this was I, I just read a piece about Dallas. Uh, the Dallas Fire Service are using it to uh, get precise locations because they can do it off a smartphone. And instead of saying I'm on Highway 47 or I'm on the high street by the chip shop, you know, you can get a very precise location because everything is, as you know, is a 10 foot by 10 foot square. So if you were, if you were buried in the Mojave Desert, you could get emergency services right to where you were buried by the, uh, yeah. by the mafia, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I first came across it. I interviewed a guy a couple of years ago who was starting up an insurance company in Africa. And one of mm. the first problems they have is that there aren't registered roads and house numbers and addresses. They don't have postcodes. These are people's homes. Their entire livelihoods are in these places and they need to be insured. And some of them will be built correctly, constructed with bricks and wood and so on. So there'll be solid uh, dwellings, but they have no way of identifying their location. And he was using what three words as the way to give people essentially a location from an insurance point of view. But when we're online shopping now, we put it in the little box. Is there anything that can help our driver find your address? And we always put our what three words in there. So, oh, do you? Yeah. Good tip. Oh, right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. All right. Well, so we should remind everyone we are recording this actually on Halloween. So you mm-hmm. may be listening. Listeners will be listening to this maybe a couple of days later. But it's Halloween and, and it is really taken off in the UK, American style, I would say. Is Halloween a thing in Spain, Rick? Yeah. 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 Well, we have... Um it's a holiday today, and for us, it's kind of more. Uh, the celebration is the Day of the Dead, so this is the, yeah. uh, and it's more of a religious uh, orientation because it's about remembering people that have passed. So for um, certainly tomorrow, which is the main, you know, the day, it's uh, it's a day when it's quite somber in the, in the town, and um, people will be using the day to remember people that have passed. So that's the way we celebrate what we would call Halloween. But tonight you'll see kids out like you. There's an Americanization that's happening. So there'll be, uh, there'll be kids dressed up. Um, uh, I don't think we have trick-or-treating. I've not really seen that. But there'll be, there'll be Halloween parties. I take it later, as soon as we finish, John, because it's kind of getting late afternoon, you're, you're going to be getting changed into your Dracula outfit and, and, off, and off knocking on doors, aren't you? Well, I think we're going out for a burger. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> could be a scary burger. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what what tech has interested you? What's caught your eye lately? So there was a a metaverse-y kind of virtual reality feel to the story that's been intriguing me this week. Because, you know, I've been doing this thing where I'm collecting use cases of um mm. for 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 consumer brands that are that are in in like the, the, this web three metaverse kind of space and interpol of all things 
of all organisations have kind of entered the metaverse. So you know Interpol, the International Crime Agency. Yeah. Well, they've yep. created a virtual world. And um, the idea, and actually it's a serious, uh, there's a serious application for it because the idea is that if they want to train um, law enforcement officers or agents or anybody around cybercrime or the way of the workings of Interpol or whatever it is, then they do it through a virtual reality world. So wherever the trainee is in the world, they just have to put on a, a virtual reality headset and then they get taken into a virtual reality world where they can be um, trained. And uh, oh. I thought that was quite fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to what um, Accenture have done. So Accenture, you know, we all know Accenture is the consulting company, professional services company. And they have built um, uh, an internal virtual reality world. They call the nth floor, N, the nth floor. And they hire something like 150,000 people a year and they onboard them. So all new staff to Accenture, first day, virtual reality headsets get on, and then they go through their like first day in the office in a virtual reality world. Yeah, the nth floor sounds a bit like uh, the being John Malkovich film, doesn't it? You know, where they have a, a halfway yeah. floor in between. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, my, my tech this week is uh, I've I read about, so this is a bit on topic as well, because we're going to talk about health and in, in mm. health tech in this episode. Now, I recently read about this year's um, Artificial Intelligence in Orthopaedics Conference, as you do, at the Royal College of Surgeons. That sounds like one of those magazines on uh, Have I Got News For You? You know, it's yeah. like, this is <laughs> AI in orthopaedics. <laughs> AI in orthopaedics. It's a, it's a proper conference. Did you know, <laughs> right, we're now able? <laughs> What's so funny about that? It's just, this is highfalutin stuff. <laughs> I, Sean, but Sean, what? sorry, I've got to. How on earth did you find AI in orthopedics? Does this give us an insight into what you read of an evening when you've got your slippers on and cocktail in hand, and I get the AI in orthopedics conference? <laughs> okay. Um, so, did you know that we're now able to predict the success rate of a knee or hip replacement before it actually? Happens. I didn't know that. I'll give you a few stats, actually. So globally, 10 to 20% of joint replacement procedures actually fail. And that, that's a higher number than I imagined, actually. I didn't think any failed. I thought, I thought nowadays this was like so routine. It, you know, you're in and out within a day. But there's an adverse reaction in up to 44% of failed knee replacements as well. Now, this new genetic test can now be done beforehand to see if a patient may suffer the adverse effect before they've actually even done the operation. And this has largely come about because of the backlog of joint replacement surgeries after COVID-19. So again, unusual circumstances have led to this innovation. Oh, wow. I, I guess this is quite personal to me because I used to play American football and then I played tennis for, for 12 years. And this eventually led to me having a hip replacement when I was 41. Um, and I can't complain because my body loves it, but it can't be pleasant for everyone who's had a reaction to the replacement. So I, I thought when I read this, I thought this science breakthrough is just amazing, just fantastic. So this is this is detecting um, this is not this is not necessarily the failure of the, the joint or the thing that's been no, put in. This is the body's body. 
this is the body's yeah. uh, you know inability to accept it uh, uh, you know the, the, the body is saying look i you know this is a foreign being i don't want this in here oh i see yeah. so they can pick that up from some kind of uh, biomarker a genetic test genetic yeah. oh but so the two things I learned from it was that the science, there is a, a scientific breakthrough, but the other, I was just amazed that it was 44% of, of yeah. uh, knee replacements. That's so high. Couldn't it is that. high, yeah. Well, of course, you know what will come next, because now what they'll be able well, to do is they'll say, well, okay, if we know that there's a certain genetic um, marker that indicates that uh, the body will not react well by putting in a new hip or a new knee – then they'll understand what is what 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 is going on there. Then they'll be able to compensate for it. That's the kind. Of, the next logical step is someone will say, "Well, there's forty percent, four out of ten people are getting an adverse reaction, and we can identify them, so we know why that you know we know what's called you know we know why who who they are. So you'd think that would be the next thing, wouldn't it? They can they can fix it so that those forty percent won't get adverse reactions because they'll identify them and they'll have hip B instead of hip A. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I like that you're interested because I, I can see you signing up now for the AI in orthopedics. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm, I'm definitely going to sign up for that one. Here's the news. Apple has increased the subscription costs of its Apple Music and Apple TV Plus subscriptions in several countries, including the UK, the US and Australia. Apple says the changes are because of increased licensing costs and to ensure artists receive more money for their music. The BBC says Amazon shoppers in the UK could receive a share of £900 million in compensation once a legal claim is submitted against Amazon. The proposed claim alleges the company breached competition law and caused customers to pay higher prices. Instagram users suffered a blackout on Halloween yesterday of recording, including me. Users were told their accounts had been suspended. We may find out what the cause is by the time you hear this episode, but right now it's not a good look for the Facebook-owned service. And finally, Elon Musk has bought Twitter. At last. He has reportedly changed the Twitter profile to read Chief Twit. Of course he has. Uh, I read an article by Tim Spector, uh, which felt like a summary of a book he's promoting called Food for Life. Now, this is a man who has spent his life in the pursuit of scientific discoveries around nutrition and um, our gut health. And among the many fascinating bullet points he reveals in the article, the comment that caught my eye was this. But as we wait for technology, including apps, at-home tests and continuous glucose monitors to help us eat more healthily, we can make positive changes by following the broad approaches described here. Meanwhile, listen to your body and eat more of what makes you feel good. Now, the thing that stood out for me there was that techie bit. Hmm. And that's what I thought would be a good topic for us to discuss today and explore in this episode. So, Rick, my question to you, or, or rather three mm -hmm. questions in one, is who's doing what, where, and how in the fields of personal health technology? What, what do you know? So uh, I, I read, when you sent that article through, I did read it. And so, the, mm. and the kind of, before I answer that kind of question, because I, I, it really does bring us back into the world of big tech, because Amazon yeah. Alphabet and, and uh, Apple are all heavily focused on the healthcare, particularly the US healthcare market, because it's so broken. Um, but the kind of context and interest for me is that I've been a vegetarian for 33 years now. 
And um, last year, my wife and I, we started eating a little bit of fish. But apart from that, we've been, we've been vegetarian. We did try vegan once, but it was just too hard. Um, and so this move towards having smart healthcare, you know, the ability to have sensors and apps and watches and wearable devices and so on that would track what we do and give us feedback and um, information, <clears throat> I think is, is probably one of the biggest developments and that we're going to have and, and continue to see advances on over the next, over the next decade. Um, yeah. you, I think Apple have made the watch center to what they're doing, but it's tied in with the iPhone uh, Amazon, there's no question Amazon want to build up this huge picture of us as individuals and as c- customers and understanding what we eat and how healthy we are and um, uh, what activities we do is all part of is all part of that. And, and, you know, when you look at it from a Google point of view, what they want is around data and analytics and artificial intelligence. So I can kind of talk to really the, the, the main big tech players. It's not really a meta story. Yeah. Uh, or Microsoft, yeah. yeah. So do you think um, there's a lot of money, obviously, in this industry to be made? And as you prefaced uh, a couple of minutes ago, there's a broken healthcare system in America. Mm, um, and that's time. easy for us to say, I guess, not being Americans, but we hear enough about it. Um, of those three that you just mentioned, Amazon, Apple and Alphabet, who is more likely to be interested in what they can gain on the bottom line and who is interested in changing the healthcare scene for the good of people? Oh, that's a great question. I, I would say my first, my instinctive answer is Apple. And that's because Tim Cook has made who, you know, and in the context of what we just said about Elon Musk, I think Tim Cook on, on the whole is a good human being. And Tim Cook has made a number of statements, uh, public statements that his legacy is going to be around healthcare. Uh, for Apple, and you don't automatically associate <clears throat> Apple with healthcare. But if you look about everything they're doing with the watch, which is which is a lifestyle device, but all of the sensors, all of the information and the data that's coming back from the watch is really about telling you how you can live longer, be fitter, um, mm. maybe take care of yourself in a slightly more be- you know better way. Um, and so I think probably Apple with Amazon, I. I'm just more cynical in that I think Amazon just want data so that they can predict what you're going to buy next. Amazon is more around just completing the picture of, of you as an, as an individual. What about Alphabet? Well, I think with Alphabet, it's, they're kind of doing it differently. So Alphabet have got this outfit called um, Verily, which is... Um, Verily, sir? Yeah, called Verily. Where did they get that name from? Yeah, it's, well, it's a healthcare business, but the, the, their kind of goal is... Their mission, you know, they would if you go to look at them, that you'll see that Verily's mission is to digitize healthcare. Um, but it's all about collecting, analyzing, and discovering data that's useful, and then figuring out how to turn it into inexpensive and accurate products. So, for example, we were talking about the hip and knee joints. They are the, they would be the ones that would be interested in understanding the data that shows why is forty percent of people why is it that forty percent of people are having a rejected uh, replacement um, uh, uh, knee joint, for example, mm. and then working out what they can do to uh, to resolve it. But Verily, you know, this is an, a- a- an alphabet company, so Verily, but they've been working on things like 
preventative eye care. Uh, they do a load of stuff around diabetes management. So this is, you know, taking in data from sensors to understand how they can how, how individuals can manage their, their diabetes. Oh, um, um, so what are they doing there? Because that's an, you know, that was one of the things that this article mentioned was continuous monitoring of glucose levels. So yeah. what is it Alpha Better doing in particular? Well, I think it's the same as what, 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 same as Apple in the sense of, you know, now you can, you can monitor real time what is, what is going on inside the, the body, particularly around something which is actually relatively simple now. I say that, but, with, but Apple is still not doing this just yet, are they? They're, they're, it hasn't been released in Apple Watch Series Eight, for instance. We know they're probably working on it. Yeah, and we—I I think I read that there are apps for helping you use uh, your—you know—these. Uh, what are they called? The interstitial. Yeah, uh, I don't know what that you can put on your arm. Yeah, and yeah. you can track that with an app. And you can have it map to Apple Fitness, but Apple are not doing it themselves just yet. Yeah. Are Alphabet ahead of them? No, because well, see, they're kind of coming at it from a different perspective. So a- Apple would be looking at, at the application of technology in terms of how, how somebody would use it. Alphabet is looking at, at how we can use data to better inform decision-making uh, for both medics and and uh, patients and ordinary users, whereas Apple are looking much more at the how do we make it part of a lifestyle so that it's it fits in without you even knowing you've yeah. So it becomes a thing that your watch can track in the same way that it does your blood oxygen and it can do an yeah. ECG and your temperature yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. but look, there's another thing that so there's Alphabet have another business called Calico, and um, they they I love all this. They they work in anti aging. They they've mm. um, uh, an alphabet has spent something like two and a half billion dollars or something in R and D funding Calico, um, but they're looking at the process of, of anti aging. And what they've done is that um, they use yeast cells, and um, uh, they're able to accelerate the aging process, and so that um, they can they can they can uh, understand the the aging process so calico have purified 50 million year old cells in a single test tube for example Mm. and um that's the kind of that's the kind of modeling that alphabet are doing so essentially they're looking at how they can speed up the aging process so that scientists then can you know observe the entire aging process in hundreds of thousands of of single yeast cells and from that of course then they can start trying to develop products that might help people um, yeah. when it comes to aging. At least, um, at least Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Statistics Corner. People spent $269 million on mental wellness apps in 2020. The most downloaded health and fitness app in the first half of 2022 is Sweatcoin. A November 2020 survey says almost 7 in 10 GPs in the Netherlands encountered technical issues when using mobile healthcare apps. In January 2022, the leading mobile fitness and workout apps recorded almost 17 million downloads worldwide. And finally, in January 2021, Calm was the most downloaded meditation and sleep app in the US, accounting for 40% of downloads in the segment. 
just like to take us back to one of those statistics mm. there, Rick. And it was uh, the one that caught my eye was the survey that said seven in 10 GPs in the Netherlands encountered tech issues when using mobile healthcare apps. I actually yeah. saw it for, for other countries too. Do you think there is, um, do you think the tech giants and the ones underneath the tech giants who are creating all these innovations are going a bit too fast for our general, <laughs> uh, general yeah. healthcare system? Uh, who can't quite keep up with things because they're still probably on Microsoft Windows 10 or whatever it is. Yeah, well, there could, there may well be, there may well be all sorts of you know specific problems for for that sample group. But I think I do think there's a general problem. So, as a complete aside, yesterday I was trying to, I was trying to do something and pay on PayPal, and mm. it was a, it was just, you know, of course I've changed because I've gone from uh you know uk to um spain and you know whatever could i log in to paypal when i did log in could i get a card registered uh and then get it so i i spent an hour and in the end i couldn't i couldn't get uh, any i haven't used paypal for ages and so i clunky yeah and so i think i would i would i would say more generally i think we're entering into a, a time where things are just so bogged down with security and checks and, um, uh, you know, layer upon layer of things on top of the app that are there to protect, but actually have just become this huge, this huge kind of like uh, obstacle course to get through. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I get frustrated every single day with an app um like on my phone i went to i went to book a hotel the other day and i used hotels.com fired up the app and it decided i needed to log back in could i remember the password you know and then well you're not using a password manager no (laughs) what's that noise is that the donkeys going past again that's the that's the that's the goats can you hear them (laughs) the goats yeah that's the goats that's a sign that we're being a bit too technical (laughs) that's the yeah, at, um, yeah, that's that's the goat. The, if if you could see this, there would be about thirty goats. They just walk up past my house. <laughs> They're they, fantastic, and the, it's perfect timing because we're talking about uh, we're talking about PayPal and the likes. But we're also talking about those annoying cookies, aren't we? Cookie screens and things like that. You know, on the one hand, I like. I like the obstacle course of security because there's a lot of bad people out there, right? And and if if I have to jump through a couple more hoops to make something more secure, I'm all for it. What I don't like is the whole cookie information data collection side of things because it, they don't need to be there. You know, well, we we have we have we it seems to be a recurring theme. I kind of I I don't get vexed or. It doesn't. You get it, vexed by security issues. I get vexed by data issues. But it's more. I just think we've ended up into a place where we've layered, you know, um, ham-fisted solutions that are largely driven by um, by regulators, bad people, who, bad people to to respond. Yeah, to in response to things that have happened. But they're so far. Sl- they're so far behind. Oh yeah. Where where the, the world is. And so when they do get implemented and they get implemented differently by everybody and some uh, get implemented really um, uh, aggressively and some some less so, you end up in this situation when <clears throat> the utility of the internet 
um, has, has just become diminished because it's just so bloody hard to, to get anything done. Um, let's bring this back to health and let, let's, let's talk apps a, a little bit. So yeah. um, do you think there's anything in that then? You, you said that, you know, jumping through hoops, everything's a bit harder. Are we letting uh, the healthcare professionals off the hook a little bit by saying that? Or are they actually a bit behind in understanding what perhaps patients and customers want from the if I was to, health if, services? If I was to hazard a guess, because I don't know the details of this one, I would say, number one, um, health, health is a regulated um, space and data and privacy is, is obviously a hot potato. So I would imagine that any app has to be layered with additional security because you've got You've got very sensitive personal information on there. So number one, I think there's probably a, like an extra layer of an extra barrier that has to be got through. Number two, I would imagine that the industry is probably not the most technically advanced industry. I mean, doctors, you know, have still not fully digitized. You still go and see lots of paper in, in an office, although there is, you know, they, they have made progress. But I would say generally it's it's such a complex ecosystem of sharing information that they're, they're, they're not at the leading edge of, uh, of technology. Mm. So I'd imagine there's probably an element as well, which is the industry is probably not so entirely used to, uh, um, to the technology. And then the third reason might simply be that it has just uh, tried to oversimplify um, things which can be quite difficult and therefore it might just be hard to navigate for a doctor, um, you know, uh, the technology, yeah, I, 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 if I was to guess, but I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Well, I, I don't want them working on my knee if they can't figure out their iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, an interesting point is I do think the pandemic uh, has played a role in the usage of, of fitness workout apps, health apps. And yeah. uh, I do think this trend trend will probably outlast the effects of, of lockdowns and restrictions. Yeah. And, and the think- move to what they call telemedicine, you know, this idea of, um, of in the old days, right. So I'm talking about pre 2000, mm. uh, pre 2020 and COVID, you know, you would go to the doctors if you were ill. Whereas I think we've now through the pandemic with the social distancing and lockdown and all the rest of it, we moved to, we're going to have a phone call. And I, I don't think the health industry is going to go back to uh, inpatient um, visits to anything like the extent mm. that they used to. So telemedicine saw a massive jump. I think it went from like 11%, 10% adoption to 75% adoption. And I think that will continue. So I think we're going to see, we're going to move to a trend. And I certainly have that in Spain with the apps. Everything we do is digital and through apps. If we want to book a mm. doctor's appointment, if we want to talk to the doctor, uh, if we want to see what services we've got available, if we want to schedule appointments, we do everything through through digital services. And that all works. Uh, we're, we're a bit hit and miss. We're a bit hit and miss in that respect in the UK. You know, some surgeries, I think, uh, are on it, and some are very much behind it at the time. So you don't get a consistent experience. I, I can say for us, uh, it's extremely good. The challenge is getting it set up. What you have in Spain is you have a, a digital token that get that is essentially a, a token that sits on my phone and on my iPad that identifies me 
And once you have that, then logging in is very easy because you're not relying on a password. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, you've got a secure identifier that um, <clears throat> the app can refer to. I was just going to say I looked up uh, what the leading mobile app was for Android users in Spain. And it's Huawei Health. Oh, yeah. Is that the one you have? Yeah. I don't know. No, Did I don't you use, have I use no. no, I use the state one. I use the, uh, the Andalusian um, health right. service apps. So I so have this, this. Yeah. Yeah, this is the, uh, the leading one. Approximately 210,000 app downloads in, in one month where they examined it. And that was earlier this year. Mm. I think uh, it said the anti-stress app Feelsy was the second most popular. So you're all stressed yeah. out there, I think. 119,000 <laughs> stressed Spaniards. Yeah, and that well, they're kind of they're kind place. of doing things different things. So the Huawei and I have a Huawei phone. Um, the Huawei yeah. Health app will be uh, the thing that is picking up the the sensors data from your phone, and then yeah. and then putting it into a into a health context. So they're looking at your motion and uh, how much steps you're doing and, and where you are and so on and so forth. And they can determine quite a lot of information. Um, uh, from that kind of that kind of data, the apps I was talking about were the ones for the national, essentially the National Health Service in Spain, and um, that's sort of kind of slightly different. That's looking at um, that's that's looking at how I can. It's looking at you as a patient. Looking at me, yeah, and how I can navigate my way around. Sean, we've got to finish with the Jetsons. We're talking the Jetsons. The Jetsons. Okay, as in the old cartoon. As in the old cartoon. Yeah, which which yeah. Um, is from is from when I was born. <laughs> so it's nineteen nineteen sixties. Um, Hang on a second. It was the Jetsons was in colour. It can't be before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was in colour. It was in cartoon. Right. It was a nineteen sixties cartoon series, but they were. It was if you remember, it was set a hundred years in the future, so it was set in like two thousand and sixty, two thousand. So only right. only forty years away from now. But uh, but you know when you when you when you said let's talk about um, let's talk about health tech and this stuff, I thought well I've got to I've got to just I've just got to call out the fact that the Jetsons and Hanna Barbera were visionary because they predicted telemedicine. And there's a, there's a particular episode, and I'll direct you to it. It's the 10th episode of The Jetsons, which was aired in 1962, which was the year that I was born. And Jane Jetson calls up her doctor via video chat from her living room. And uh, the interaction was personal and similar to what we would have experienced at family doctors in the 1960s. Calling the Jetsons, Jetsons. Ah, it's a phone. I'll get it. Morning, George, dear. Ah, morning, Gloria. Honey, it's your friend Gloria, the cute-looking one. Gloria? Oh, dear. I can't let her see me looking like this. I've got to put on my morning mask. I'll be right there, George. <laughs> Hi, Glor. Jane, darling, don't you look lovely? Yeah, so there's lots of examples in the Jetsons where they kind of talked about drones and pill cameras. They had flat screen tree TVs and they had uh, digital media like we have it today. So, yeah. Now, it's Halloween. All right. And I know you are a wine drinker, same as me. Um, but do you have a favourite cocktail? <laughs> and if you do, are you will you be drinking a Halloween themed one this week or not? 
So, um, so look, I do like a bit of wine, but I actually generally am teetotal. So, I Are like a, a, yeah, I am. I am. I've been, yeah. I'm afraid I'm a vegetarian oh, teetotal. <laughs> vegetarian teetotal. <laughs> I know. No, I do like I do like a glass of wine. Um, uh, and I used to drink whiskey quite a lot. So I, I, I was kind of very much an old fashioned sort of bloke. Um, a gin and tonic has always been a popular drink out here. But if I had what I would call a cocktail, it would be an old fashioned. Um, but I, I shan't be drinking. Uh, I shan't be drinking tonight. You successfully painted yourself as. <laughs> As a vegetarian teetotaler. No wonder the goats go past your house. They must be completely safe. You know, this is a safe area for, for goating. Hey, I'll have you know, when I, put, when I, when I, when I recorded that little clip uh, from the other week when we did the podcast and we were talking about Netflix subscribers and I put it up onto, uh, on Instagram and, and, in, and somewhere in there I say, look, you know, I'm, I'm 60. And uh, I got a comment saying, but you don't look more than 45. So, vegetarian teetotals obviously doing something okay. <laughs> yeah, well, Alphabet needs to talk to you about the anti-aging, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. I've got some. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the inside track, yeah. We, yeah, we, we like the occasional cocktail. You see, we're going through Amazon Prime at the moment, and we're watching the James Bond films on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. So, we've, we've done the first three, Doctor No, From Russia With Love, and Goldfinger. And we said that each time we watch one, let's make a cocktail. And we haven't yet. Is it going to be shaken and not stirred? Perhaps. But I, I like an espresso martini, actually. I like the, the coffee. Oh, my, do- my middle daughter loves them. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to our 12th episode. We will be back in a couple of weeks with more analysis and not too serious conversation about big tackle tech and everything in between. This has been a Sean Weston Media production. I was Sean Weston. And I was Rick Huckstep. Hold up. 